Good evening. Welcome to our Wednesday prayer time. I'll use a term you may not be familiar with, it, the imprecatory psalms. How many have heard of that word and what an imprecatory psalm is? All right. Imprecatory psalm is a psalm where God is prayed to, he's called on to take vengeance on our enemies or those who oppose us. And uh, we're going to look at Psalm 35 tonight, so you can turn there in your psalm, in your Bibles to Psalm 35. I mentioned that because we talk about prayer, we come here for prayer, and um, we're often troubled. And we have those who trouble us. David prayed in a certain way, and some, some, some Bible scholars um, kind of dismissed uh, the imprecatory psalms as, as not something that's valid for, for believers today. I don't agree with that. Um, but we need to understand why David prayed the way that he prayed, and is it appropriate for us to pray that way and in what way should we pray um, let's just take a look at what Psalm 35 says so turn there in your Bibles the first word kind of gives you a clue contend O Lord with those who contend with me fight against those who fight against me take hold of shield and buckler and rise for my help Draw the spear and javelin against my pursuers. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Let them be put to shame and dishonor who seek after my life. Let them be turned back and disappointed who devise evil against me. Let them be like shaft before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them away. Let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. For without cause, they hid their net for me. Without cause, they dug a pit for me. Let destruction come upon him when he does not know it. And let the net that he hid ensnare him. Let him fall into it to his destruction. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord, exulting in his salvation. All my bones shall say, O Lord, who is like you, delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him, the poor and needy from him who robs him. I'm going to pause right there. So you see the, the sense of David's psalm. He's praying that God would not only rescue him, but in the process take vengeance on his enemies. And so you might ask, is, is, it, is it appropriate for us to pray in that way? Or is in David in some unique situation uh, from, from what we were? Of course, I could say David's situation is unique in this way is that he was he had uh, natural enemies who physically were pursuing him and trying to trying to kill him um, and he prayed to God that God would not only rescue him from that but turn against his enemies but I think the the um, the Psalms look to the life and the 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 spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ and what was happening to him what happened to David in a small realm happened to Jesus Christ in a very much larger realm. Jesus' enemy did overtake him and did take his life. And uh, so 
the psalm, though, expresses how we can go to the Lord for help and how he will uh, help his people. He delivers us out of trouble. And we can, we can um, pray to God about those who pursue us. I think we can take it even another degree is that we can ask God to take his vengeance on those who are our enemies. Um, what I mean by that is, is just that. I don't take my vengeance out on them, but God does. And he's praying that God will. In other words, we're praying that God will bring justice. And I think that is the great prayer of believers. Now, we live in an age now, um, persecution is not really existing to believers so much in, in uh, America today, but we do have trouble. We do have things that, that uh, um, would hinder or things that would hurt us and things that would be against us, but not like David in the sense of someone threatening our lives because we uh, trust in the Lord. Um, but like I said, that is increasing more and more, and it may come a day where we may very well see that in its full extent. Um, but what what we need to recognize is, is that God is going to take justice on all who, do, all who do his people harm. And we can take God at his word in that. And I think that the, the Psalms are used to express the heart of a person who, because of his love for the Lord, is being mistreated and how God looks on that. That God does not ignore that. And even though we suffer sometimes, God allows us to suffer. He doesn't always pull us out of those situations. He allows us to suffer. But God is going to bring justice. Here's the problem. We don't always see that justice here on earth or in our lifetime. But we do cry out for it. We do pray to God, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. So we see the injustices that, that we face, and we're praying that God's justice will soon come. I was preaching on Sunday and was talking about how um, Mordecai and Esther, in fact, the whole city of Susa, was rejoicing now that Haman was hanged. And we live in a culture that says, oh, don't dare do that. That's, that's not nice. That's not the Christian thing to do. Well, I think I, I, would, I, would, uh, I would disagree with that attitude. We celebrate when God's justice is done. Now, I didn't take that justice out. God did that, and he did it in the way that he determined. And we're saying God is right, and God is righteous, and God is just in all that he does including destroying the wicked. And in fact, the gospel that we preach needs to be a, the gospel of the truth, that God will bring a people to himself and deliver them, and God will punish and condemn and destroy the wicked. And people need to understand that. They need to hear that, and they need to know that God will do that and be completely at rest and at peace in doing that. 
He won't have a guilt complex. He, he won't feel bad about doing what is justly needs to be done. In the book of Revelations, we see the cry of the saints going out. In fact, the prayer of the saints are bottled up. It's that God takes the tears and the prayers and he bottles them. And that's so that he can preserve and remember. And it's the sense of he's going to bring that out and say, at last I have answered your prayer. You think it took me a long time, but I'm, there's a point when I'm going to answer the prayer of my people who cry out for justice and cry out for <coughs> revenge. And so we look forward to that. I don't know how that plays in your personal life. Um, I doubt that you or I have an enemy like David had that was actually uh, trying <coughs> to destroy him because he knew that he was part of God's plan and uh, he wanted to get rid of that. We may not have that type of enemy, but we do, we do have people who mistreat us, who treat us wrongly, maybe for different reasons, but we can cry out to God, Lord, help me. Lord, bring justice to my situation and to my case. We can, we can be uh, gracious in that. Lord, I would pray that you would change the heart of that person instead of destroying them, but that's up to you and how you choose to do that. And uh, we just, we trust God to, to, to do um, what only he can do. And I like verse 4, Psalm 35, verse 4. Let them be put to shame and dishonor who seek after my life. Let them be turned back and disappointed who devise evil against me. That term disappointed is something that, that catches my attention as you read through the Psalms. Uh, it says a lot about being disappointed. One, it says that those who trust in God will not be ashamed or will not be disappointed. God is going to fulfill um, our very need and our cry and our prayer, those legitimate cries and prayers. God is going to fulfill those. He will not disappoint his people. And, uh, and then the contrast to that is those who turn their backs on God or turn from God will be thoroughly disappointed they will be put to shame and so uh, we need to understand um, we are on God's side we pray to him he understands the troubles that we're going through he understands the hardships he understands when we are mistreated and he is at his proper time going to take um, action on that and bring to justice uh, those things so we pray to God knowing he's a loving God, he's a gracious God, but we also know that he's the God who takes vengeance on the sin and the wrong that's committed against his people, and we can find um, great solace and comfort in that as well. God is going to take up for me. As a younger, um, one of the younger in the family had older brothers and, and a sister, and I knew that if I was mistreated, I could just go and tell them. Hey, so-and-so is, 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 is threatening me. And uh, they, they would come and, and, and make that right. And <laughs> they would challenge that person uh, who threatened me. As I got older, I realized one of my biggest responsibilities was the safety of my younger brother. And anybody who threatened him had to go through me. And I would sh be sure to let them know that. You don't, you don't just make an empty threat uh, because I'm going to challenge you on it. God is doing that for us. He will not allow us to be threatened um, um, without a person going through him. We look at the, the story of Job and reminded that Satan had to get permission 
to touch Job. He couldn't do that without God's permission. So we can rest in that comfort that God is guarding, protecting, and will even take vengeance against those who come against us. So let's rest in that comfort as we pray tonight. Our meditation today, let's continue that theme of God rescuing his people through his vengeance. One way to think about it is how can we have salvation if the enemy is not destroyed? How can you be rescued if you are still threatened? God doesn't do anything halfway. And so when he rescues his people, he rescues them to the utmost. But then what does that mean for their enemies? Joel will complete Joel today. The third chapter reads, For behold, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. And I will enter to judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my heritage Israel because they have scattered them among the nations and have divided up my land and have cast lots for my people and have traded a boy for a prostitute and have sold a girl for wine and have drunk it. What are you to me, O Tyre and Sidon and all the regions of Philistia? Are you paying me back for something? If you are paying me back, I will return your payment on your own head swiftly and speedily. For you have taken my silver and my gold, and have carried my rich treasures into your temples. You have sold the people in Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks in order to remove them far from their own border. Behold, I will stir them up from the place to which you have sold them, and I will return your payment on your own head. I will sell your sons and your daughters into the hands of the people of Judah, and they will sell them to the Sabaeans, to a nation far away. For the Lord has spoken. Proclaim this among the nations. Consecrate for war. Stir up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares shares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am a warrior. Hasten and come, all you surrounding nations, and gather yourselves there. Bring down your warriors, O Lord. Let the nations stir themselves up and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Go in and trade, for the wine press is full, the vats overflow, for their evil is great. Multitudes and multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord roars from Zion, and utters his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth shake. The Lord is a refuge to his people, a stronghold to the people of Israel. So you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who dwells in Zion, my holy mountain, and Jerusalem shall be holy, and strangers shall never again pass through it. And in that day the mountain shall drip sweet wine, and the hills shall flow with milk, and all the stream beds of Judah shall flow with water, and a fountain shall come forth from them from the house of the Lord, and water the valley of Shittim. Edom shall become a desolation, and Edom a desolate wilderness. For the violence done to the people of Judah, because they have shed innocent blood on their land. But Judah shall be inhabited forever, 
in Jerusalem to all generations. I will avenge their blood. Blood I have not avenged, for the Lord dwells in Zion. This is a chapter that's worth meditating on. What does the Holy Spirit teach in Joel 3? I'm asking you. What is he teaching? Anybody can raise their hands. I think of it this way, the flow of the chapter is kind of have a, a back and flow to it. At first, the Lord is very angry. He's very angry, and he's angry because his church has been attacked. What I mean by his church is when I look, I think spiritually speaking, when you look at the Old Testament and you see the words Judah and Israel, and the Lord is talking about protecting them, you should read church because church means the called out people of God. And so God is mad when his church is under assault. And he mad. He said, okay, so now y'all going after my people. He said, are you paying me back for something? And if you look at that language, it's very, very direct and to the point. And um, it's very real. It's something that somebody could say today. If somebody was trying to break into their car, you could see somebody saying something like this. This is how the Lord is speaking. And then it's an interesting thing that happens after that. There's this dual call. The one call is to summoning everybody for this battle. And you might, it's a weird thing because if you look at it, there's another passage in the prophets that talk about bleeding your, beating your swords into plowshares, right? But here he says, beat your plowshares into swords. He's saying everybody come fight. And what is he doing? I think he's actually, it's not talking to Christians. He's talking to the enemies. He's saying, come with it bring it. It's time to go. Everybody come fight. And that's a... See, when you don't read the prophets, I think you miss these aspects of God. That God just said, bring it. Everybody can fight me at once. It don't make no difference. Also, what image do you get when he says 
that he's going to fight and then there will be wine flowing. That Doesn't that remind you of Armageddon? Doesn't that remind you of that? See, all the prophets work together. Then after that, he starts talking about how he's going to restore. And if you notice it, how he restores the similar, I remember I taught a sermon on this a while back on Isaiah, where God said he would bring the people water, milk, and wine. Why does he bring those three drinks? Well, what is water? Water is life and refreshment, isn't it? What is milk for? Growth, right? Little Jordy love to drink milk. Why? Because he's trying to grow and get bigger, right? You take milk to get strong. But what is wine for? Celebration. God has given everything that his people need for life, for growth, for joy. And it's going to be flowing from all creation. Like Heidi said, it's going to be like a commercial. So when you look at the flow of this chapter, you see this judgment, salvation. And I think the mystery that is starting to be revealed to us is this, that the judgment is the salvation. And that salvation is the judgment. Think of it like Noah. How was Noah saved? He was saved in the ark. How was the world judged? Noah's ark was closed. What was a tool of salvation to Noah and what Noah was delivered from, the Lord used to judge the whole world. And so we see the same thing in God's actions. Amen. All right. So that's the book of Joel. I encourage you guys to read through it or join in Brother Cliff's Sunday school class as he'll teach in that in more detail on this Sunday. And next week we'll start with the book of Amos. So uh, the last, this month of August has been really, really busy, and uh, God's people really came through, and it, it was, Pastor gave us a, a caution on Sunday, like, you know, everybody wanted to exhale and say, all right, you know, the picnic's over, now we're good, but uh, I just want to commend this, this group of believers here tonight, encourage us for the work that we do. Weary, I want to thank Pastor for leading Brian and just all pleasure to see. And God is, uh, even though we're tired, I just wanted to pray tonight and read a verse from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40 is a verse, is a chapter of comfort where God comforts his people. And at the end of that chapter, in verse 31, Matter of fact, 30, he said, Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not get weary. Jackie just turned 76, and I'll run us all right now. <laughs> so she caught hold of this. They shall run and not get weary. They shall walk and not faint. God will empower his people to continue to work till he comes. So I want to just uh, 
offer just a word of encouragement for this ministry. We look, and every one of us long for all the seats to be full. Let's, let's be honest, we do. And we look around and say, Lord, what's going on? What are, you know? But God says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. So I just want to offer up, for, for our portion of prayer tonight, I just want to offer up a word of prayer and encouragement for us that we'll keep on keeping on. Dear God, we just thank you for the work of the ministry, Lord, and understanding that it is a marathon, and um, Lord, we don't know what mile we're in, and we won't know the finish until you step out of heaven and, and just come collect us. We thank you for the strength that you give us, the encouragement that you give us, Lord, and the wherewithal you give us, the vision that you give us, Lord, and we pray for this group, Lord. It's, it's your core group. And we pray, Lord, our prayers that you will add more to the group. And you're, you're doing it, Lord. Uh, you have Miss Adams and you have uh, Sister Janice and a few more people that, that you've added that's faithful. And, Lord, we just thank you and uh, love you and thank you for the encouragement. What a blessing to see things come together, the girls' jump rope camp the picnic, the boys' camp, praise and poetry jam, every Sunday worship service, every Sunday choir. And it's just from this core group of people, Lord, and sometimes we get ministry overrun and ministry overdrive, and we just get weary. But, Lord, we need your empowerment to continue the work that you've called us to do. It's not a time to, to rest. We you have placed examples before us. We have Mac and Jackie and Mrs. Kenner and, and Bob and just older couples, Lord, and older warriors that's been battling for you for years as examples. So, Lord, we pray for just your strength that we might be able to mount up with wings like eagles and not be weary and faint not. We pray and we ask this uh, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.